What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Today, you'll meet the entrepreneur who recently left her six-figure job in biotech to become a full-time podcaster and online business owner. And in this episode, you're going to learn how she grew her audience and the different ways she monetizes today. Jill Teets, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Jill, you started the Sober Powered podcast in mid-2020, which is now over 100 episodes deep. It's on the science of alcohol addiction and a bunch of other content to help listeners get and stay sober. During that time, she's also grown her Instagram account to over 42,000 followers. So you find all the notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at SideHustleNation.com slash Jill, G-I-L-L. And if you're interested in starting a podcast of your own, make sure to download my podcast starter kit with resources on choosing the right software and equipment, my production process, marketing your show, and of course, all the different ways that podcasts can make money, which we'll get into in this episode. But again, that resource is at SideHustleNation.com slash Jill, G-I-L-L, or through the handy little link in the episode description of your podcast app. So Jill, Sober Powered is now uh, two and a half years-ish old. Take me back to the beginning. What was the inspiration for starting this thing? So the inspiration was my own journey with alcohol. I quit drinking in November of 2019, so almost three years ago. And when I stopped, I really wanted to understand, like, is this my fault? Am I a weak-willed loser? Did I choose this? Um, and as someone who worked in science during the day, I knew how to get and understand that information. So I just started reading about it. So I spent every day reading about the science of addiction and like what alcohol was doing to my brain, just trying to answer the question, like, why me? And I did that on my own for seven to eight months. And then I woke up one day and it had been helping me so much with my shame and rebuilding my self-esteem that I just woke up one morning and I was like, everyone needs to know this. And I started thinking about, well, how can everybody know this? And I thought I could start a blog. I could do a podcast. I could get on YouTube. And I had a reason for why I couldn't do each one of those things. And then I settled on podcasts. I'm like, okay, that's less pressure because no one will see me. So to learn how to edit video, but it's still a lot of pressure because I don't know how to do it, but it's somewhere in the middle. So I just launched it the same day. Like there was no plan. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just launched it. And I Zoom called myself because I had no clue how to record audio. So my first episode was a solo episode and, and most episodes are solo. And I had to call myself on Zoom and then take that recording. I figured it out, but in the beginning, I just like decided on a whim and then just did it. Nice. No, that's actually really, it's funny and kind of, it warms my heart a little bit to hear because I totally did the same thing. Like I had to this like little Skype recorder software that I didn't, I don't know why I didn't cross my mind to like record directly into Audacity or something. But it's like, no, I would take the file from this little Skype recorder, even if I was doing solo and then throw it, throw the MP3 into Audacity. But that's, that's really interesting. So you found, so you started doing this, research, you know, almost to kind of, it sounds like to, you know, validate the decision after the fact, after deciding to get sober and saying like, oh, this is really helpful. This is really helping me. So I got to put it out into the world. 
you know, blog, podcast, YouTube, podcast, don't have to show my face. So that's the lesser of two or three evils. Like, okay, let's go down this path. Any thought to, you know, there, there's got to be other sobriety podcasts out there. Like you can't have to be the first person to have come up with this idea. Oh, there's a lot, actually. There's a ton. And I thought that mine would be unique because no one was really sharing this information. But I also, at the same time, thought no one would listen to it. So I wasn't fully concerned with that. It was more like this inner drive to put it out there. And then I thought, like, no one's probably going to listen to it, so no pressure. Just do it, and it'll be fun for you. And you'll help, like, three people, and it'll be great. But most of the sober podcasts are more about sharing stories. So they interview guests to come on and share their story of recovery. So I wasn't doing that. So I thought like maybe I would get like five listeners instead of three. Okay. Okay. So it was, it was going to be slightly different from what the majority of the competition was doing. Exactly. Okay. That's a line from uh, Jonathan Mendonca from uh, Choose FI on, on this podcast several years ago. You know, you know what, what made uh, Choose FI stand out? And he was like, you know what, if you can't be first, be different. You know, we definitely weren't the first personal finance podcast in the world, but you know, we pivoted it just enough that it was, it was new. It was different. It was fresh. It sounds like same, uh, same situation here. Yeah, exactly. Just how can you spin it even just slightly different from what everyone else is doing? Like, even if you want to make a sobriety podcast and share personal stories of recovery, how can you make that a little bit different? And one of my friends, instead of sharing the journey to recovery, he shares more about the journey after. So that's different. So even though he has people on to share their stories, he has a different spin. So it doesn't have to be completely different. It just has to have like one little unique factor. Okay. So in those early days, not starting with any intention to turn this into a business, but just, I I, I got this stuff. I got to get it off my chest. I want to put it out there. And so what happens after that? So I kept doing it. I made an Instagram page the same day I launched it. I hadn't been on social media for the sober community at all. So I got on there and I was like, hey, everybody, listen to my podcast. New episode is out. And I did that every week. Episode two is out. Episode three is out. Go listen to it. To this account that has no followers. Yep. No followers. And nobody was listening to it. I'm like, come on, man. This episode's going to help you. I'm telling you what the episode's about. Why won't you go listen to it? So yeah, I had a very slow start. Like the day I launched, I had nine listens and some of them were me. So it was a very, (laughs) very very slow start. It's impressive. Those other six people found you. So that was... I know, right? How'd they find it? (laughs) It's still worth something. (laughs) That's that's how everything starts, right? You know, everybody starts with no audience, unless you know you're already a celebrity or something. But like for a new podcaster, no audience, no following to come into the space and kind of like carve out some attention from people. It's really challenging. A friend of mine, uh, you know, said it's hard to give away a free podcast, even if it will help people. So I get that. Do you have a sense of what started to work in terms of attracting listeners? The first thing that started to work was probably Facebook groups. I was doing a lot of work in Facebook groups. Like someone would post a question and they'd be like, I'm three days sober. I can't sleep. 
at all. Like, I don't understand what's going on. I thought I would feel better by now. And I would comment and I'd answer the question. I'd explain why they're having trouble sleeping or a common one is like dreams about drinking alcohol. I'd explain why that was happening to them and answer their question. And then I'd just sprinkle at the end, like, by the way, I just put out a podcast episode all about sleep and drinking dreams in sobriety. If you're interested, I can send it to you. And then that would create a thread because one person would be like, I want to listen to that, send it to me. And then, you know, one or two more would say it. And then it creates like this FOMO of like, ooh, everyone wants to listen to this. And it gets more attention because now it's like a big, long thread in the comments section. So I think that was the thing that started working. Instagram was very slow. And now like that got traction maybe in year two, but year one, it was painful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. So tactically in these groups, there's, you know, being a helpful member of the community first, there's answering questions. And then it wasn't sharing a, a link in that, answer in that comment it was like just putting it out hey i i do have an episode on this if you want to learn more i can send it to you and kind of almost forcing that engagement so the thread gets more visibility in the facebook algorithm and then you're direct messaging people the the link to the podcast or you know here here's the information exactly yeah and i'm not breaking any group rules because i'm not posting a link And even though I was promoting my show, I was also being helpful and answering everybody's questions and giving them, you know, motivation and encouragement. And eventually this group actually made me an admin of the group because I was so helpful, even though I was like constantly trying to direct people to my show. So it's, it's an acceptable way to do it. in in a lot of groups, as long as you're helpful first. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's gotta be group around do you remember the size of this one group there probably were dozens uh, of groups on the same topic yep yeah this one was like thirty thousand, maybe like 20 something when i joined but it was a big one and there are lots of different sober groups and there's a lot of people that will go in and they'll just spam they'll be they'll share their their link for whatever the thing is or and they get blocked right away but they don't realize if you're helpful or they get ignored too because no one wants to respond to a spammer who's just trying to get people to look at their thing so if you're helpful people do actually want to look at your thing afterwards not everybody but some yeah you got to play the long game a little bit like okay it's 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 you know especially for me it's painful not to drop that link like look this is so much easier for both parties like you could just click at this at any time and i don't have to message you but yes, then it doesn't work. So that's helpful to hear. And Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, subreddits, Quora thread, like there's lots of different ways where you can find people asking questions about what your show is about, what your online business is about. I think this is a great tactic. And you can even search by keyword, you can search by a question mark, you could search like the phrase, you know, the phrase question, or I'm looking for some help, like these different phrases to find relevant threads to comment on, essentially. But so that's really helpful. Um, you mentioned Instagram started to take off in, in year two, but like, let's dial it back. So like now we're say three, four, five months into doing this podcast, you're putting episodes out. It looks like every week, even from the early days, is there a sense of I'm getting enough traction of, you know, the chart is moving up and to the right and I'm motivated to keep doing this. It was very slow, but it did grow slightly every month, both the Instagram and and the podcast listens. 
I think what helped on Instagram is I started making connections with other people in the sober community and having friends. And I would be invited on lives with other people or just to participate in things. And I started being more of a person and not just like a podcast, you know, spamming sound bites and and new episodes out. I started to have like more to me, which then attracted followers. Um, Not very many, but a couple. And over time, I tried different versions of the new episodes outpost and they got better each time. Like I, I didn't just new episodes out, stop there, you know, blame the algorithm, whatever. I thought, okay, well, what would I have to do to get people to listen to this new episode? And I thought if they could just know what it's about before they scroll away. So I would put like the description on the post and that like probably didn't help at all. It was too wordy. And then I tried to put like the three main ideas, three or four main ideas on it with like a picture. And that worked a lot better. The picture and like pretty colors, like attracted more people to at least look at it. And that's when I started getting traction on Instagram at like as I made these changes. And this was like over a year. I don't think I started that version with the picture and the colors and the four main points until like episode like 40 or 50 something. Okay. Yeah, it's trying to meet people where they are to, you know, create content that's native to that platform and then try and bring them into your ecosystem. Say so, so in this case it was the image post with the you know with the four big takeaways from that episode. Or was this like the carousel style uh, image? Not yet. That's later. <laughs> Okay. So image post stops the scroll. Here's what's inside. Here's what you're going to get in exchange for your 20 minutes of listening to this thing, which that's the big hurdle for really all podcasters. It's still such a barrier to get somebody to find their podcast app, search for your specific show, find the specific episode you're talking about, and then do the 20 to 45 minutes of listening, like find that gap in their day or, you know, plug that in on their commute to listen to your thing. Like, and that's, you know, the the com- the title has got to be super compelling, the hook, the promise, all that stuff has got to be like, well, what am I going to get in exchange for going through all this effort? And sounds like by trying to meet listeners halfway and giving them giving them a taste, giving them a teaser in these uh, Instagram posts that started to work a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit, but it's it's brutal. Like trying to get people, like it caused me physical pain sometimes trying to get people to listen and they wouldn't. So trying to convert uh, social followers into podcast listeners, definitely a challenge, but something that you've done well. What do you think was effective in like just growing the following to begin with, like to get more people to be paying attention to that account in the first place? Consistency and perseverance. There were a lot of accounts that grew much faster than me. They blew up. And, you know, me, I'm over here like resentful and jealous. And I'm like, it's just because they're pretty, you know, and they're prettier than me, or it's because they got lucky and the algorithm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe all that's true. But a lot of the people that blow up really quick also quit just as quick. And then who's left behind is me like grinding away, you know, (laughs) follow me. Like I, I'm going to give you consistent content all the time. I'm never going to disappear from you. I'm always here. 
Um, I built very strong relationships with people in the DMs. I really care about my people. And it was that perseverance, I think, that allowed me to grow really quick. And then when I figured out the carousel post thing, which is how I promote my episodes now, each one of those gets me like thousands of new followers. So that grows my account very quickly. Yeah. And then just relationships with other influencers because we share each other's stuff. So I would say start with relationship building with both your audience and the other influencers and try to rein in the jealousy. Fair enough. Uh, Let's talk through those carousel posts, what they are, how they work, and then how they kind of allow you to reach people outside of your existing followers. Yeah, those are the best. It took me a very long time to get to that iteration of the new episode is outpost. And the first slide of the carousel is usually just my title, but the key is don't say episode whatever. Don't say podcast anywhere on it. Your goal with the carousel is do not let anybody know it's a podcast. Do the opposite of what you think you should be doing. Like whatever you do, don't tell people it's a podcast. So you the, they see the first slide and they're like, ooh, this applies to me. I want to learn more about this. And then the second slide has really good information for them. It answers the question of whatever they're wondering about or need to know. Third slide, usually two. Sometimes I'll make like diagrams and I'll like walk them through diagrams. And then depends on like each show is each episode is different, but slide like maybe four or five. That's when I hit them with, by the way, <laughs> this is a podcast. Oh my God, you love this information? Well, you're in luck because this is a podcast episode and now you can get even more information just like this. And that converts so many people and it doesn't convert everybody like 100,000 to 200,000 people on average will see these posts. And that's not how many listeners I have, but a lot of them, thousands of new people are following me and hanging out with me. And now I have the opportunity, you know, six months or a year from now for them to give my show a chance. So it's not going to happen immediately, but every time you're going to convert people to listen and you're going to get new followers in. And so that was both building my account and building my listeners at the same time. Yeah. So this is um, Instagram.com slash sober.powered. If you want to go check out Jill's account over there, you can see some examples of that. I'm on one that says the lead slide is uh, why you aren't ready to quit drinking yet. And they all have like really consistent fonts and colors and branding. And so it goes through and you have this little like, you know, fun data chart in here with arrows and stuff. And then at the, at the very end, it says, learn more in episode 115, you know, why you aren't ready to quit drinking yet, how to get ready. And so this is something that your existing followers can share to their stories. Like talk to me about like the, the viral element, like this is adding thousands of new followers to your account, but like, that's something that I haven't quite cracked yet on Instagram. Yeah. So people will share it because it's beneficial. What most podcasters do or anyone who's trying to take people off Instagram is they're going to make an announcement. Here's my thing. 
you can go listen to it, watch it, buy it here. Link is in the bio. It's going to be so helpful for you. Nobody cares, you know? It's a lot to ask someone to get off Instagram and go somewhere else. So instead, I give them some of the information that they want. I can't condense a 15-minute episode into one post, but I can give them some interesting point from the episode that's going to help them. So just like I was doing in Facebook groups, actually answer the question so the post is valuable whether or not they listen to your episode. And that's why so many people follow me from these posts is because the post itself is very valuable. And then people will tolerate the sprinkle at the end of go listen to the episode because it has been helpful for them. And that's why it gets so many shares. Like if someone's sharing, like go listen to my podcast episode, I'm not going to share that to my stories for them, you know, unless it's my friend. But if somebody has a post that's really helpful or impactful, I'll share the post despite it being promotional. So I, I think that's the big difference. It has to be helpful, not just an announcement. Yeah, that gets to like the underlying motivations of why people would share. Why would they, how are they going to click that share button? It's like, well, they share because it makes them look smart. They share because it's beneficial and helpful. They share because they think it's funny, right? Like, what are these different emotional triggers that are going to get people to do do your marketing for you? I think that's really cool. I was going to ask, do you repurpose like the same kind of content over to Twitter threads, just in written format or anything like that? No, because of time, but I should. I don't really know how to use Twitter. So if somebody wants to help me with that, I am open to it, but... I think my understanding, and I suck at it too, but like, because again, time, but it's a written version of what you're doing on Instagram. Like instead of carousel, just like a tweet thread. And, and at the end, Hey, you want to learn more? Go check out my episode. I think it, I think it could work well over there as well. Yeah. There's a lot of sober people over there that I see. I just don't know how to use it. Right. Well, that's okay. So that's really helpful. So trying to tap into that psychology a little bit on why you know, what's going to make people share this and do my marketing for me. And so then my effort goes into creating these standalone posts that are going to be valuable, whether or not somebody tunes in. And this is something I could be better at. Like, you know, what are the, you know, the five marketing lessons you're going to learn from today's chat with Jill? Like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, you want to learn more? Go check out the full episode. Anything else that worked to grow a listenership in your mind? Guesting, probably. I've been on a lot of different shows and yeah, every time you guest, the host is endorsing you and you're already somewhere where engaged listeners are and it's not hard for them to move from a podcast that they're already listening to, to another podcast in the same app. I'm not asking them to go off platform to a different thing. So it's not, so if you give the best interview that you can and you're really helpful and you're not overly promotional, then people will go listen to your show. I've converted so many people, completely new people who don't know me and my own followers. So I think guesting is is a huge thing people need to focus on. Uh, Yeah. And this has been brought up before with platforms like Podcast Guests and Matchmaker.fm and um, Podmatch, lots of cool platforms to help you find other hosts in your space. I just actually found this really cool tool that a listener sent me, and it was like this visual, like spider network. Like if you punch in your podcast, it shows you all the related podcasts, and it was like 3D, and it was like the Matrix. It was like 
super cool. So I was like, as a potential, I'll, I'll dig that up for the show notes. And that's awesome. And so all of these so- shows that we're sharing sobriety stories, like that were, you know, on the surface, your competitor is starting out. It's like, no, these are now my marketing partners because I can go on and be a guest on those shows. Exactly. And when you stop seeing people as competitors, it's really helpful because then you form a relationship with the host and then they're your friend. And who doesn't love sharing their friend's stuff? Absolutely. We're just about to get to the revenue side of the equation with Jill. And that's a special moment for any business when you get your first paying customer. That's when you fire up your free trial of our sponsor, FreshBooks, and you knock out a professional branded invoice in just a few clicks. Your client's going to be so impressed, they won't be able to hit that pay button fast enough. And here's the thing. If your bookkeeping system is still that shoebox full of receipts, it's time to get organized and it's time to get in the cloud. FreshBooks is the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. Now, how does that work? Well, FreshBooks took all of the tough and annoying parts of running your business, like building, sending, and following up on invoices, processing online payments, and expense tracking, and automated and simplified them into their intuitive online dashboard. The end result is you spend less time on that administrative work and more time on the stuff that really matters, more time growing your business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks Rockstar support team is always available to answer your questions. Give FreshBooks a try free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. And let me know what you're going to do with your extra 11 hours a week. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What was the first thing that you did to say you know what, there might be something here. If only I could see some revenue from this. I'm putting in a lot of time and effort into this. It would be nice to make some money from it. Do you remember if it was a sponsorship deal or what was the the first thing you did to monetize? Yeah, it was a sponsorship. So I was paying for everything myself nine months into the show. And I had a sponsor reach out to me and they were interested in sponsoring my show. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to regret it. Like <laughs> no, no one's going to buy their thing and then they're going to hate me. So I charged them like almost $0, like almost zero. I'm so ashamed of myself. I was such a moron, very close to $0. They made so much money off of me, <laughs> so much money and they paid nothing for it. <laughs> nothing. So 
that obviously didn't monetize my show, but that unlocked like, wow, people would want to sponsor this show. I'm actually very professional and a lot of sponsors would want to work with me. And yeah, and then I started reaching out to them on my own. And, you know, I'm the queen of undercharging. I've learned through realizing that I was undercharging that, oh my gosh, it was so bad. But I didn't think anyone would want to sponsor my show. And I was worried that they wouldn't get a return and then they would hate me. But it did. That was the beginning was was sponsorships. And then I also, as my Instagram grew, I started monetizing that with um, brand collaborations for Reels. Okay. What was effective for you in doing kind of that proactive sponsored outreach? You come up with your kind of dream, you know, five or 10 companies that, you know, would be a good fit for your listeners. But then try to find, this is at least what I found, like trying to find the decision maker at those companies was kind of challenging. So what, what was that process like for you? What's helped me a lot is building relationships with the company on Instagram and commenting on their stuff, liking it. Even if you comment like three, like clap emojis, like it's, you still commented on their stuff and they still saw it and they remember you. And then eventually you can reach out in the DMs and just be like, Hey, and don't be like, hey, I love your brand. Just say, hi, I was wondering if you've ever sponsored any podcasts or if you'd be open to that. I would love to partner with you and give you more information about what that could look like. And then the person who runs their social will tell you who to email. And that's worked well for me. And I've had, I've had people reach out to me as well. But I think doing it through social can be really helpful because you build the relationship with them and they get to like you because you're consistently showing up and engaging with their stuff. And then you go ask. So it's not fully cold when I ask. Yeah. And you have, it's almost like a warm introduction. Like, oh, I got your email from Lauren on the social media team or whoever. Like, oh, okay. No, that's actually really helpful. Do you remember or do you have a sense of how many downloads per episode you were at at that point when started to get serious about the sponsorships? Yep. So when I first started charging almost $0 for sponsorship, I was at 800 downloads in the first week for a new episode. So probably like 1,000 or 1,100 in the first month. Okay. And I was also, um, I was at 10,000 per month overall. And I thought that was a really good number because then you're getting enough listens that it's worthwhile for the sponsor. And you don't have like, you know, 50 people listening and you're trying to get money from the sponsor and then they're not going to get a return. So I think waiting till your numbers are a bit bigger and you can guarantee that return. And then you, you cement a good relationship with the sponsor and they'll, even if the partnership ends after one month or three months, they come back in the future because they did well with you and they liked you and you keep the relationship alive on social. Yeah. How do you uh, price those? Well, I price them very low. I started, (laughs) (laughs) I started by Googling. So nobody Google it because Google's going to tell you like 18 to $25 CPM is average. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if they're going to get a return. So I should just say 18. 
And when you're not getting, when you have like a thousand listens in the first month, that's like $18 an episode. Right. So I charged $18 an episode and my first sponsor wanted to lock in for a year. <laughs> and I want, I didn't do it. I want, I wasn't that much of a moron, but I was close. I was so close, but I'm like, no, I, I would feel more comfortable at three months. Like my show is growing a lot. And, and then they're like, how about six months? So they got six months of sponsorship for $18 an episode. And my show exploded. Wow. They made, they made so much money off of me. It was awful. It was awful. And now the way that I do my sponsorships is I do CPM still. And I will charge, it depends on the sponsor and every negotiation is different, but I think anywhere between like 23 to $30 CPM. And I also insert my ads dynamically. So before, oh my God, and it gets even worse. They didn't just pay $18 an episode for six months of sponsorship. Those were baked in ads that sat there for a year and a half. So they paid $18 and my back catalog gets so many listens. So they paid $18 an episode for a year and a half <laughs> of the ads sitting there. So don't, my advice, do not do baked in ads. Don't do it. Even if your hosting provider does not support dynamic ads, like Buzzsprout does for $12 a month, you can do Buzzsprout. Clip it out. Go back and edit your old episode and remove it. Don't leave. Never agree to leave anything there permanently because it's free marketing. Uh, that's an interesting one, and I never really thought about it that way. That I didn't. I didn't consider myself as undercharging. But yeah, sometimes I'll get those. Yeah, can we lock in six months? And you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's for a little same. extra, you can. Yeah, the same reaction of like, yeah, shoot, how, how fast can I sign this deal for 18 bucks uh, an episode? Okay, that's one angle, but you also have the uh, you know, Instagram brand relationships too, to put together a, a package. Like, okay, we'll feature you in this reel. So it's not, to, it just allows you to create bigger deals than just the podcast, if, if I'm understanding correctly. Exactly. Yeah. You can bundle depending on like, if you have 500 followers, I don't think anyone's going to really be interested in doing a reel with you, but I have, you know, over 40. So a lot of people are interested in reels with me. So you can bundle a reel, you can bundle like a mention of them in your weekly email. If you have that, you could bundle um, like sponsored by whoever in the footer of your website. So just think about like all the different things that you have available and that can become a package. So then what I've done in the past is I've raised the CPM. I was charging up to like 35 to 40 with a package. Like I'll keep you in the footer of my website for this, the length of the sponsorship. You'll be in my weekly emails. You'll be on every episode right in the front and then a reel is extra if they want that, but you can package things and then increase the price. And you can do flat rate too if you don't want to do CPM, but I've just always done CPM. Yeah, I see uh, better help down here in Soberlink at the bottom of the website uh, at soberpowered.com. Now, question for you because you mentioned the email list. I don't see a way to get onto your email list from the homepage, from the site. How are people joining? I used to have like six or seven different free guides on my website. 
and those would all get people onto my email list. So I've backed off on that, but I need to put, I have one now and I need to put that one. So I have one free ebook and then I have one three day quit drinking challenge. That's an email challenge and that gets people on. But yeah, I need those used to be on my website, but I've been making adjustments. So when I do adjust it, it'll be one of the headers. Okay. Yeah, let's build build that email list. Anytime, like the following is all Instagram. It's like, oh, it makes me nervous. Like, I got to get people onto something that I have a little more control over if, for when the algorithm inevitably changes. But well, that's helpful to hear. And the brand partnerships aren't the only thing that you've got going on. I know you recently launched a membership for your listeners, which I think is probably the more exciting future angle in terms of monetization. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I launched that probably about a month ago, a little less than a month ago. And it's just a space to build community. We have meetings um, one to two times a week for my top tier members. And there's a private community for them. There's also a premium podcast that comes out weekly. So they get a lot of stuff. Um, And it's been really nice. I've never really met my listeners for real. I've been talking to them a lot in the DMs or over email, but I've never actually met them. So when I started this, it was really nice to look at them and communicate with them. And I didn't realize like how much that had been missing in my brand for two years. Yeah, this is living a sober powered life ranging from 15 to $27 a month, uh, depending on which membership tier that you choose. So you have the, you know, uh, weekly meetings or a couple times a week meetings. This is uh, like a, a group Zoom call where people come on and ask you questions. Are you teaching during this time? You bring it on guest experts. What's the format of those? So I have one a month that's a guest expert. And then the other six are just like talking about some kind of topic. So Last week's meeting was about coping and how to cope without alcohol or eating a bunch of unhealthy food. So we all just, it's more like sharing and getting support and they ask questions or just knowing that you're not alone. It's not as much like teaching or additional content or instruction that they get from the premium podcast part. Oh, okay. What, yeah, I should ask what's the difference between the regular tier and the, you know, upgrade optimal platinum tier. Yeah. Meetings versus no meetings is the main difference. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So bottom, the $15 plan is the Slack community. Now you're also promising more, more content, three premium episodes every month. It's like, oh gosh, more content to create. I see people doing the same thing with newsletters. It's like, oh, you get the insider newsletters. Like, I don't know if I want to make more work for myself in doing that, but talk me through that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that, but people actually really like it. And it's not, my regular podcast is very research heavy. So each episode will take five plus hours to prep. And then I condense it down to like a 15 minute episode for people. So I did not have the time to double that commitment to a private podcast. So that podcast is more like lifestyle. So in in the month of October, we're talking about how to build a, a healthy lifestyle without alcohol in it. So the first episode is going to be about how the way that your lifestyle is set up 
can lead you to relapse and drink again. And then the other episodes will lead into like what you can do with your sleep and your food choices and your morning routine and things like that to support your sobriety and stay sober. Okay. Yeah. Building healthy habits around this new identity as a, as a sober person. Exactly. And having Jill at the center, like I want to be your, your hub of that, connect you with other people on the same path. Yeah. And it's, it's great. We have all sorts of different people. So it's not just people that have struggled with alcohol. There's people that have struggled with drugs. There's people that struggle with food. Um, so it's a really nice community. And and we talk about other mental health stuff too, like depression or ADHD. And because it, it all goes together with drinking. So it's really great so far. And we're only one month in, but I'm I'm happy that I did it. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Are you comfortable sharing how many members you had signed up so far? I'm just about to hit 100 members. Wow, congrats on that. In, in one month, that's a testament to the the trust that you built with the audience over the years to say like, look, I'm going to be here for you. And I've been putting this goodwill out into the world. And here you go. If you want to support me and support yourself, here you go. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I was trying to figure out like, what do people want from me? And they don't want a bunch more stuff. <laughs> they want connection and meetings and support. And the stuff is secondary. Yeah. Did you ever do a survey of like, what, what are you struggling with? You know, the stereotypical questions that like a John Lee Dumas would recommend and say, how do you figure out what to offer next? Well, I asked my audience and they kind of steered the ship in a way. Yeah, I do ask me anything in my stories on Instagram often. And I sometimes I'll just say, like, do you have anything that I can answer or help you with? And other times I'll say, what are you struggling with right now? And then people share it all. Um, and I've done some surveys from my email list. So then I have like both of those sets of data. Okay. So the Instagram stories, ask me anything. What are you struggling with right now? That's kind of the key question. And did people come back and specifically say they wanted a membership or did they say words like, I really could use a supportive community? Like what, what led you down that path? A lot of people ask me for one-to-one -one support, which is just something that I can't provide. I'm not like qualified to provide one-to-one -one support for people that are trying to get sober. And there's a lot of other stuff for many people like trauma or other mental health conditions. And I'm just not qualified to support them with all of that. So that's probably the number one thing people have asked for is one-to-one. -one. 
And then people have asked me, like, for just more talking to me. They wanted to talk to me more. And I'm like, well, how can I how can I do that, you know, with all the other things going on? And and then I settled on a membership with meetings where we could actually like speak, you know, face to face in air quotes, but, and it worked out and people really like it. And they look forward to the meetings and I have people from all over the world in the membership. It's, it's really cool. Well, it's a way to give people what they're asking for. Like I want, I want more Jill time in my life without but still do it in a way that's somewhat time leveraged in instead of doing one-on-one coaching or consulting calls. So yeah, exactly. What platform or what tools in tech are you using to process the payments and run the membership? So I'm on Supercast for the premium podcast, and I think they're awesome. I really like Supercast. I am on Slack for my community, but I'm in the process of moving to Circle because I was on Slack because the same thing when I started charging sponsors, I was like, I don't think anyone's going to sign up for this membership and I'm going to have to quietly just quit and make it disappear. So I did Slack because it's free. And now I actually have a very active community. So I'm going to move us somewhere more official where it's easier for people to engage with each other and keep track because you can do events in there so they can keep track of the meetings now too. And then it's all in one spot. I don't think you're alone in in undercharging, by the way. I think that's probably like 90% of side hustle show listeners like struggle with that like confidence issue and really sticking a, a price tag to their name. And there's like, of course, on the other side, there's like the 10% of people who are just like, about 25 grand, I'm going straight to high ticket. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's like, hey, you know, if you could swing it, good for you. So we've got the, the sponsorship stuff, the brand partnerships, the new membership program that's driving revenue. And then you recently... Uh, created a podcast network, which is a really interesting new, I guess, a new angle, new business model that we haven't really talked about on the show. Can you share how that works, how that came about? Yeah, that actually was a surprise. So I was a biochemist. I don't have connections. And I started going to podcasting conferences, which is where you and I met. And I just met people and made connections in the podcasting community. And I made some very strong connections just because I saw some people that were alone, that were big in podcasting and important people. And I introduced myself to them and just like took chances like that. And they encouraged me to start the network. My biggest supporter was um, someone from Spotify from uh, Megaphone Spotify. So Megaphone is a host that's owned by Spotify. And she told me, she's like, you got to do this. No one has done this for Sober Podcast yet. And it's going to be big and I want to help you do it. And the same thing, the confidence. I was like, no, like me, a network. Yeah. And I ghosted her after the (laughs) conference. I totally ghosted her. I didn't think it would work out. I was like, she was just kidding. She didn't really mean that. And then months went by and then I went to PodFest when I met you in May and I met someone from an ad agency who helps podcasters get sponsorships. Okay. And then I had like the two sides of it. I had the person who was going to help me understand the network and set that up and the person on the agency side who could help me with the sponsorships. Cause it's one thing to get sponsors for one show, but to get them for many shows, that's a lot more work. 
Yeah, and then I just took a chance, and then I was like, okay, starting it, let's go. And I asked my friends to join, which is why earlier I said, make connections with people in your niche. They're not your competitors. So other podcasters in my niche became my friends, and I was like, hey, you guys, I have this crazy idea. Do you want to join? And they did. And then I had three podcasters that were my friends. Other people with sobriety-themed podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I had like a base. It wasn't just like one random lady with like an idea to have a network. I actually had a network yeah. when I started approaching more shows. What was the pitch to them? What was like, why, you know, why come in and, and join you? Join my network because it is really podcaster focused. Like when I thought about making this, I was like, what kind of network would I want to join? And you see so many networks, they put their logo on your podcast cover art, or they'll put their name on the author line, or they'll remove your name entirely and just have the network name as the host of the show. Yeah. And I saw all of those things or, or like the podcaster doesn't really have control of the ads and like what goes where. And I was like, I wouldn't want to join that network. So I made a different network and maybe it's not as good for me, but it's really good for my podcasters. They have full creative control, full control over their IP. I don't take any ownership. My logo's not on their stuff. Their podcast has not changed in any way at all. I just get them sponsors and take a cut and I help them with marketing. And I've actually got many of my podcasters on a really big show, like way bigger than our shows. So I'm like kind of showing them like, we can do this. Like we're a team, look at us. But yeah, that's my selling point is I'm, I'm very podcaster focused and I care about you guys and I care about your show. Okay. So the pitch is you are currently making $0 or not that much money. I can help you sell ad spots and I'm going to take a cut in exchange for doing that for you. And I can help grow your show through my marketing chops and through cross promotions and I'll get you guest appearances on other shows. And then you're promoting other shows in your network on your show and vice versa. Like you're trying to like lift everybody up at, at the same time. Yep. And I'm not taking any control over your show at all. Just keep doing your thing. It sounds like work, but it sounds like fun work where it's like, dude, why didn't I do the side hustle network like five years ago or 10 years ago? Uh, I'm almost 10 years into podcasting. And this is what's really cool about this is like, you can just kind of stick your flag in the sand and say, yeah, I, I do this now. I'm a network. There's no, I mean, is there any like technical infrastructure to, to do this? It's just kind of like, it's all, it's all digital. It's not saying, you know, I'm starting NBC and I have all this infrastructure uh, to build up. It's a lot of work up front. I'm still in that phase, but what I have to do since we run our ads dynamically I have to go into every single episode and say, this is where the ad goes. So for mid-roll ads, I have to listen to every single episode and find that point that makes sense for a mid-roll. So when you have, I have five other shows, every show in my network has over a hundred episodes. So it's like 500 plus episodes that I'm having to go in manually and identify the mid-roll point 
Um, and what if a show has two mid rolls? Like the work builds up really quickly. Megaphone is also really expensive. So there's a reason that regular old podcasters are not on it. It's very expensive. They have a CPM model as well. So the more the network grows, the more I pay. So that's part of where my cut goes. It goes to pay the hosting fees, which are, you know, Buzzsprout is like $12 or $15 a month. Megaphone's like a bazillion dollars a month. It's like, it's like a lot. It's, it's way more, way, 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 way more than $12 a month. So there, there's a lot of stress around that. And, and it, it's a full-time job. It's, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. The network model, which I had never really considered until hearing about you doing it. Like I've been invited to other networks and it's always been like, well... It wasn't necessarily a pain point for me, but it's like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's something there where a rising tide can lift all boats and you can grow together with a, you know, a family of similarly themed shows, uh, especially when you look at the top 100 in Apple Podcasts. Like, it's a lot of network shows, uh, especially today. So uh, maybe there's something to that. You mentioned, hey, this is a full-time job, uh, which is a good lead into, well, when did it become a full-time job? When did you feel comfortable making the leap? Early June is when I started full-time. So I actually, after PodFest, Memorial Day weekend, I went home and I immediately quit my job the day I went back to work. And then, you know, I did my two weeks. So then early June was beginning of being full-time. So it's only been a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Revenue-wise, were you replacing the day job salary at that point? Not even close. Uh, No. But I took a chance and I don't recommend it. I recommend work your full-time job unless it's like really making you suffer, which mine was. Mine was really impacting my mental health and it just really sucked. So since the time I quit, um, I've 6 x my monthly revenue. I still haven't replaced my income from my full-time job, but if I've been able to 6 exit in three months what can I do like by the one year mark? And I had at a very like modest, tiny income goal for 2022. And I actually just achieved that last week. So now I'm going to work on achieving like my stretch goal for 2022. And that still isn't like a good amount of money, but it's so much better than 2021. So I just like see it building and I, and I have a lot of faith that if I just like Instagram, if you keep persevering and you keep on grinding and you just don't quit, like eventually things are going to work out for you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that in the transparency there to say, you know what? It wasn't replacing my salary, but look, with all this extra time, look how much I've been able to grow it so much faster with all these new initiatives and projects and revenue streams. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Aside from undercharging, I was going to ask if there were any mistakes that you made along the way, like knowing what you know now, and aside from, you know, the new episode is live type of posts, you know, what would you do differently if you were starting over? If I had to start over, I would have made connections sooner. I think a strength that I have right now is I have a lot of very successful friends that I trust. I have very successful friends in the sober world, but I'm mainly talking about successful friends in the business world. And sometimes that overlaps too. But 
now I have friends that I can say like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Like, can you give me some feedback? Where before I was just kind of by myself and I couldn't get feedback from anyone except for Google. And that's not helpful. So yeah, I think building relationships, find people that you can trust and don't be afraid to ask for their feedback because they can help you grow and learn and not make so many mistakes. Like if I had just asked for feedback, I could have avoided so many mistakes. Yeah, it's it's lonely out there starting out. You don't know who to ask. And so you have to almost show up in person, show up into these different communities and just like you kind of said, get over your introvert self, introduce yourself and start to figure out who's who and who can help and how you can help them. No, I, uh, I definitely resonate with that. So you've got Sober Powered Podcast, you've got Sober Powered Media, the podcast network, you've got the membership. What's what's next for you? What's going on? Uh, what's got you excited these days? I'm very excited because I am going to start a business network because I already know how to do the network thing. And I'm going to start a business podcast and that's going to be in the network. And then I'm helping a couple other people start a show, which is going to be in the network. I know some shows in the business world that I love that I really want to approach and get in the network. So I think I'm going to just like do it and start a whole another network for business podcasts. But do like exactly the same kind of model where it's, you know, very podcaster focused and I'm not taking any IP or like doing anything like that. It just, I just want to help podcasters and connect us all so that we can all make money for our work, have less stress, make more connections and grow our shows. Side hustles on side hustles. <laughs> once, you, once you're in motion, it's hard to stop. <laughs> I, I love it. So Jill, thanks so much for, uh, for sharing all this stuff today, really insightful on how to grow an audience and a business essentially from scratch and the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes uh, to do that. So I appreciate you joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is iterate. If something is not working in the way that you want, don't just say, you know, it's, it must be the algorithm or because that person's lucky or, you know, everyone's out to get me, make some changes, try something new. Like a lot of times we'll do the same thing over and over and over and over and it's not working and we don't know why, but then we keep repeating it. So just like I did with my posts, make new iterations, try a new thing. And then you'll see, Oh, that was even worse. So I should change it back or change this. Like, so just be willing to try new things and new versions of what you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I think I had testing down as one of my notes here. This testing iteration, like getting real-time feedback. Well, that didn't work or that got two likes. So, you know, okay, back to the drawing board. Let me try something slightly different. And just arriving at something that finally did work and providing, you know, in the example of Instagram content that serves people on the platform, whether or not they ever care to listen to your podcast, like, and then kind of reverse engineering, well, well, what's going to make somebody share this? Well, they're going to share it because it's beneficial and then doubling down on that. And then really watching the, the, the audience and the following grow from there. I liked the point about meeting listeners where they already are, embedding yourself inside these different Facebook communities. And you could replace that with any number of different online audiences, depending on your niche, but going where 
your target customers already are answering their questions. And then again, you know, a little bit of maybe feeding the algorithm and playing those games, but being of service first. And then um, finally, like just listening, listening to your audience. You mentioned the ask me anything type of posts, the what are you struggling with type of posts. And just by being part of these communities, you know, the questions that are coming out and you know, you're two and a half years deep into this with weekly content. And that's an endless stream of questions that are people are, are coming in uh, to create new episodes about. But in any case, uh, you can find links to all the resources mentioned at sidehustlenation.com slash Jill, G-I-L-L. And if you're thinking about starting a podcast of your own, I'd like you to download my podcast starter kit. It's got resources on the software and equipment that I use, my production process, how to market your show. I may have to make some additions after uh, talking with Jill today. And of course, uh, all the different ways that podcasts can make money. Again, maybe I'll have to add a network into that uh, option as well. But uh, again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash Jill or through the episode, um, the show notes link in the episode description of your podcast app. A big thanks to Jill for sharing her insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Does invoicing and accounting make your head hurt? It doesn't have to. Head on over to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and side hustlers everywhere. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.